there's demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Welcome back to another episode of the Texture Dave Saw Massacre, the podcast where we watch and talk about horror movies. I'm glad you uh, explained what it was. Uh-huh. For those just joining us. For those of you who this is your first episode, that's what we do. Welcome. And today we're watching Videodrome uh-huh. by Cronenberg. Uh, by Mr. David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. our fellow Canadian. I wanted to, I wanted to call him uh, David Carpenter again. Mm, did you do that last time? <laughs> yeah. Our fellow Torontonian. Mm-hmm. Um, did you listen to our, this Dave and Chris we watched The Brood? Yeah. Let's just get that out of the way. Of it course. makes sense. I, I did listen to a little bit of The Brood. I assume by you remembering that you called him David <laughs> Carpenter. <laughs> I actually remembered that because I was just, I remembered it I, because I was thinking that. I'm like, can't, it's been a while since I watched a Carpenter movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn it. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> yeah. Both horror maestros, both with names to start with C. I guess it makes sense. Three syllables. Cronenberg, Carpenter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both do horror. I'm, also, I'm just dumb. So yeah, yeah, it all adds up. I don't remember much about the brood. That one really didn't retain. Like that didn't stick in my memory. I remember nope. a few cool, gross-looking scenes, a cool, a couple cool, creepy kid moments. But main plot points, that thing is just gone out of my memory. Yeah, I I remember a good amount of it. Yeah, I remember um, the gross like. Um, birthing sack on the uh-huh. front of her when she opens a robe. Exactly, that's it. Just that that horrific. one image of her. I remember. Yeah. Um, I remember the one of the little brood boys um, slashing his Achilles tendon. Oh, under yeah. he's under the bed and he just. I remember. Him. I remember talking about that more than actually seeing it. I remember. I just. I find those things pretty visceral. I yep. really don't like the Achilles tendon slicing. I have. I. I can see pretty clearly the outside of that wo- wooden cabin that they were in, and how there was that like weird attic part that they went up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's coming back to me now. Yeah, I remember. That's where there's a bunch of the kids yeah, all yeah. piling in. Yeah, and I remember. Um, there was that one scene where. Um, I guess it was, yeah, he was walking through the attic part where all the kids were mm-hmm. um, while there was that, like, scene also happening with the mother, like, getting more and more upset. And I remember how creepy it was that, like, the kids were reacting based on her mood and they were all pacified at that moment as he was walking through. Oh, yeah. But you could tell at any moment. He's, like, in the bee's nest, but the bees weren't st- disturbed yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the climax clearly. of the film. Yeah, yeah. It just, oh, yeah. That, I remember that being, like, really gross and creepy. And have you seen Videodrome before? I've seen bits and pieces, but I don't think I've I was ever sitting down and watching it. Okay, no, I'm glad I'm glad we're watching it because I have wanted to revisit it, mostly because when I first saw it, which was years and years ago, I remember loving the first like half hour, forty five minutes of it, like really being thrilled with the setup, mm-hmm. and then feeling that it just kind of got boring and incoherent past that point. So I've I've okay. wanted I've wanted to rewatch it basically just to try to understand a little more what the fuck is actually going on. <laughs> yeah, how long ago is that? Um, it would have to have been like 2010 or 2011. Like it's been okay. a good long time. Yeah, that's enough years. Yeah, it's enough years that I I I forget most of the main plot points of what actually happens. I just remember my feelings about it. Sure. So I remember being very excited and on board at the top, being like, "Oh, this is so cool! What is this?" And right. then it just turning kind of into nonsense beyond that. So it ha- it's not my favorite Cronenberg movie, but mm. I am excited to watch it for a second time to try to understand it a little better. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's James Woods. James Woods is the lead. There's some just awesome effects and yeah. awesome yeah, yeah. awesome moments for body horror and yeah. Yeah, I watched the trailer. 
Oh, did you? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it brought me back. How did the trailer hold up? Oh my god, does the trailer ever look like a like an early eighties movie. movie? Yeah, <laughs> it is like almost cringeworthy because mm. they like really is like from the mind that brought you it. scanners. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> like movies almost hold, hold up better than trailers because when you're watching a movie, you oh. can get sucked into the world. Yeah, it's a story. Yeah, whereas but, the sensibilities of trailers were just so beyond. It was yeah, it was a delivery method back then that they had not like fully executed yeah. right and exactly like, like you said just a horror experience unlike, unlike any ever seen <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and just weird cuts like through with james woods yeah yeah like the <laughs> trailers did not yet know how to in that short amount of time get you excited yeah. create a feeling of suspense yeah like comparing like something like that to like the first like cloverfield like teaser perfect yeah like just worlds of difference mm-hmm. you know like nuance and just showing you something rather than like basically like trying to convince you to watch a movie <laughs> you know absolutely gross oddities like you've never seen mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty funny um and that's really all i have to take from that trailer it doesn't do a good job of telling you what's going on did it give away any of the effects moments yeah a little bit yeah right probably like just the classic kissing the television and a, a little bit yeah uh-huh. yeah kind of right you, you see some like built they did a good job mm-hmm. at like showing you like the the surroundings aren't solid you know but not really Mm-hmm. contact or what's going to happen or gore or anything like that so they did they were pretty gotcha. good about not showing the good shit nice yeah. yeah i mean it's hard to think of when you think of cronenberg just which movie is like the cronenberg film because videodrome is probably up there the fly is probably up there mm-hmm. um those ones aren't my favorite but they seem to emerge as like you know his key movies yeah yeah and uh i guess was was the other one we were talking about Dead Ringers, Dead Ringers going yeah. To, yeah. Which I, I've not seen that one. Yeah, that one, I guess, is really un cronenberg in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah? Because, yeah, it's just a tense sort of... Mm. I mean, a lot of movies, a lot of Cronenberg movies are un cronenberg Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Maybe even... You know what I mean? Like, I want, I want his movies to be more scary and more body horror-based, but the truth is a lot of them aren't, especially after Existence. Like, he's yeah. just done a lot more just dramatic films... Mm-hmm. Um, in the last 15, 20 years. He hasn't really gone back to that body horror world yeah, that came to define his career. That's really interesting. He seems like he's led by ideas because he was he was uh, at university for like biology, right? Mm-hmm. And it was sort of that that sort of inspired a lot of his concepts and gross effects and stuff and why he's so like into body horror. Yeah. And so he like followed, got away from just biology as a field and got into filmmaking because of his interest in biology. And then that morphed into just a love of filmmaking. And yeah, he started that's making true. prettier movies. He even in apparently at the University of Toronto, he was there when Marshall McLuhan was there, mm-hmm. who's the theorist who famously said the medium is the message. And I think a lot of those ideas that he maybe got from Marshall McLuhan yeah. are translated in this film specifically. But the ideas of psychoanalysis and Freud's ideas are in a lot of his films. And mm-hmm. I think that really came to the fore when he did he did a movie just straight up about Freud and Young in two thousand twelve, yeah. A Dangerous Method. Okay. Yeah, you have um What's his face? Know, Eastern movie. Promises, A History of Violence. What's his name? The who? Lord of the Rings. Oh, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, yeah. yeah Viggo Mortensen playing Freud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's fine. It's a fine movie, but it's not body horror. It's not even have horror I, or body. Now that you say that, it's a little body. Have I seen that? It's slow and it doesn't. It d- won't stick in the mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, yeah. That's kind of like Dead Ringers. Mm-hmm. It's like it hooks you because it's very uncomfortable. You know, you remember some of the situations, but I don't think there's right. a bunch of crazy effects. Yeah. You pick this one. You mm. will let you take the reins and say, which Cronenberg are we going to watch? Because 
like we've said, we did the brood a year ago, maybe just every year. We'll make sure to do at least one Cronenberg movie every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of surprised you picked this one. I would have assumed you would have gone with in the seventies. He did um, Shivers and Rabid back to back, which are two. Yeah, like I, I haven't seen those ones. I don't know if you have. Yeah, seventies uh, is a bit off putting for me. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. that that factors in because I do also really want to see like good effects. Like when I go back. There's got to be some good incentive for me, right? And I, I like—I uh, mean, Existence was like the—it's amazing, cr- craziest. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to see more. Just I know, I know, weird things that I couldn't have imagined. You know, like what in the fuck is that thing, and why? That's probably yeah, so. that's probably a fair hesitation for like, uh, movies from like seventy four, seventy five, uh-huh. even Body Snatchers, which probably is exceptional. Was like seventy seven, seventy eight? Yeah, well, seventy eight. I think seventy eight sounds right. And yeah, exceptional is right. But you can tell, you can tell that, you know, they're not far from a time where if they had tried it a few years before, maybe absolutely would have frustrated. It felt like barely passable in terms of our (laughs) our requirements for like enjoyable effects. That's that's so sad to say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A classic like that is barely passable. And for us to like assume that the plot itself wouldn't be strong enough. Because this essentially, those two movies, I think, launched his career. I think those are his first two Mm -hmm. big successes. And now one of them, I forget which one, I think Rabid is being remade um okay by by some canadian filmmakers i believe rabid yeah yeah one of them is like a a crazy like zombie sex virus i think ooh <laughs> <laughs> ooh sexy zombie virus but not this one this one we're getting sucked into tvs and yeah. there's like the height of vhs releases and home television sets and yeah the- surveillance state all these all these crazy ideas crammed into one that he's just puking into one plot line yep <laughs> it's got the lead singer of blondie in there yeah it's gonna be um a weird uhf signal mm-hmm. interception yeah and he sees weird crazy stuff makes him go crazy yeah i'm really excited to get into it and yeah. try to understand what the fuck's happening in this movie and that's that's the reason to boil it down the reason for this choice yeah is i want to see the cronenberg movie that's just gross and weird with the best possible effects that we that i personally either haven't seen or haven't seen enough that i remember it perfect yeah it's gonna be gross it's gonna be fun i think let's get into it um or or did you want to do some scare and tell oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's do some scare and tell i don't know why we can't can't just scare and tell and then go i know no we have to do those effects and they never stick around (laughs) no i'll put i'll keep them in this time just so so you scaredy cats know what we do every time every single time (laughs) scare and tell scare and tell um, okay, so, man, it, it, listeners might not know, but it's been a little while since we got together to record, mm-hmm. um, so I've just been, I haven't had my, my weekly dose on the podcast, it's all been to myself. On your own, yeah. Yeah, so I, I've watched a few movies, um, the, let's talk about Let Us Pray, Great. P-R-E-Y. That works, because just a few weeks ago, I did a scare and tell from, about The Lodgers, which is the same director. Same director, yeah. Yeah. This is his earlier film. Mm-hmm. With um, Liam Cunningham, Stavos from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. And Dog Soldiers, Dog come soldiers. on. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was starting, uh, that was for the scaredy cats to start. <laughs> First Game of Thrones, where you know him, and Dog Soldiers. Where we all know him. Yeah, where he's great. Um, yeah, so he plays a, a kind of similar character to Dog Soldiers, where he's just like an asshole. But mm. but more, he's like a mysterious like harbinger of death, kind of. He just shows up, and he's got this little book of names, and... Uh, I don't know. He just he he ends up in prison, so it's this little kind of kind of like a one room setting 
where they're in a prison and uh, there's a bunch of people locked up. You know, this typical guy who everyone, they know this punk, he's always there, mm-hmm. you know, but he's a, he's a wisecracking dude. He doesn't care that he's getting locked up for the night, but he, it happens to be the same night that, you know, this guy who's called Six is there and he just, through just like presence alone, and like a couple words here and there just drives people to insanity and murder and death. This person does? Yeah. Six? Yeah. And just to back up a little further, he has a book of names. Like literally he's just a... He's he got a book of names. He Like the movie starts with like cliffs, uh, like water crashing into the cliffs in Scotland. And then a man just like stands up like a vampire out of the coffin mm-hmm. on the rock and with a bunch of like crows flying. Right. And then he just walks and he ends up in town. See, this is what I like. <laughs> this is what I like about this movie and from your description and the lodgers mm-hmm. and what Brian O'Malley seems to do in general yeah. is he doesn't need to like take his time with introducing like a plot <laughs> concept with like right off the bat, the beginning of his movies, he's like, here's the logic of the world that we're in. In the exactly, lodgers, it was yeah. like, so it's these orphans in a house and their spirits and this is what the spirits tell them all the time. Like there's yeah. not like we slowly build to discover exactly. this. He's, he comes right out the gate and that I think is something unique it's, about his movies. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's a, it's a cold start, zero to 60 kind mm-hmm. of. A man appears on a cliff and starts walking into town beginning the events of the movie uh yeah and it's the this is a small criticism but people who've seen it may agree with me like the blood is so bad it's Mm. so watery and barely colored it almost ruined the whole movie for me like some of the violence in moments was ruined because of that there's several like i don't know just moments i guess where there it Liam Cunningham himself has just a lot of presence and you feel fear mm-hmm. because you don't know wh- how he's causing these people to, to do these things that they're doing. Um, the main like police guy like goes insane right off the bat. And basically he goes, he leaves the police station and they keep calling him to come back because more and more people are dying. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'll be there soon. And he's just going on a killing spree outside. Man. Like it's, it's okay. Yeah. Like watery blood is unacceptable for 2014, mm. which is when I think that's when that yeah, one came out. 2014. Yep. Yeah. Like if it's late seventies, early eighties, I can forgive it. Cause that's just kind of the general cinematic aesthetic of blood at that time. Yeah. But you got to keep up with the times on how blood looks. A hundred percent. Like that's such a like pedestrian effect. It needs to be like there. It can't, you can't be distracted on that alone because that's the foundation. Yeah. Give it some thickness. Yeah. It needs to have thickness. It needs to have the full color. And like, you don't want to look at a movie and as an audience member, be looking at an effect more mm-hmm. than looking at something happening to somebody that's, right. you're not immersed. It, 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 I don't know. Foundationally speaking, you can't get into it and it's in a less effective scene. Right. You know, and blood was pretty important in this movie. They fucked it up. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's pretty, it's a pretty big sin to me. Cause I, I know that's what I'm thinking about. Even though the movie had some good moments. Right. The biggest takeaway is that it was annoying that, huh? I'm still compelled enough by your description to want to check it out. Yeah. You, you, you somewhat sold it. It's worth watching. Definitely. And that's exactly how I felt about the lodgers is that there are some things in it that I'm like, Oh, you need to see mm-hmm. some of the effects in this movie. And I still want you to see it because there's yeah. just a few visual things that they do that are phenomenal that yeah. you don't really see coming the way that they turn out. And it's so pleasing to watch, but overall it, kind of is disappointing like it doesn't yeah. land this kind of a lot of slow moments that might be exactly the description of right of this movie of let us pray hmm. yeah but it, it, like you said worth watching worth just taking in those moments it wasn't like i wish i got my hour and a half back yeah it's fine it was fine cool right on man and looking forward to him doing something else yeah hell yeah, yeah. i mean the most irish name you could possibly have yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm surprised he didn't do um that. What was that other Ireland one that we just watched? Uh, Salt. Oh, Angel. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I always want to call that the ritual, but it's called a dark song. Uh, well, yeah, the lack of ritual is more like <laughs> what it should actually be called, <laughs> or the no the no show ritual. Yeah, but I mean that movie. At least what the ritual has is like shows how pansy ass all other rituals are. Because Hell yeah! All other rituals happen at a campfire, you know, before midnight. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. this ritual took like a year, mm-hmm. and they got pretty deep into it. Like like me a good ritual, man. Even in like, like me a good ritual, <laughs> like Southbound when they're just around that fire, slicing each other's hands open. Like that like, stuff is great. It is pretty good. And there's another ritual movie that I want you to watch, but the twist is kind of that there's a ritual, so I don't want to tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> another one of those movies you tell me what the twist is, and you can't tell me the title of the movie till I see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to ruin it for you, so just forget about it. And yeah. months later. I'll be like, this was that movie. There's a way, um, listeners, by the way, to get around spoilers. It's just don't t- say what show you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, remember when Joffrey dies? Yeah, I'm not telling you what show. Not telling you show Joffrey dies in, but <laughs> but you'll when know you it when when after you see a show and a character who Joffrey dies, you'll know what I was talking about. <laughs> Joffrey's in so many shows, by the way, so that's not a spoiler. <laughs> Very popular common name. <laughs> so for my scare and tell, I kept going down my this. Uh, Aaron Moorhead, Justin Benson kick that I've been on that I was talking about last week. Mm. <laughs> so I watched their their most recent film, which is called Spring, which came out in twenty, I think twenty fourteen or twenty sixteen. Okay, and Spring. It's called Spring, and it's this guy who his at the start of the movie his mom dies, and then for a couple of um, barely reasonable reasons he goes on a trip to Italy and and is wandering around Italy and meets a girl. And the whole story is like, it's a a very much a dramatic horror movie. Okay. It's him kind of falling in love with this girl who turns out to be a monster at the same time. Hmm. So it's, this film has been described as Linklater meets Lovecraft, which is a perfect description because Richard Linklater referring to his movie specifically before sunrise after sunrise before midnight you know those movies with ethan hawk and yeah. julie delpy yeah yeah it's like the same two characters but they were filmed but in different eras of their life exactly yeah, yeah, it's yeah. amazing and yeah. so this very much feels like that because there's a lot of these two just fallen in love hanging out in italy but at the same time she's a monster and just how that kind of unfolds huh. um like like their other films i i don't really love the dialogue and the characters entirely they're a little on the broy side okay um, they're well performed but um, this movie, I think, is worth it mostly for the monster effects, like just the cool monster story um, that is her history and who she ends up being and okay. uh, how he ends up dealing with her monster nature. And yeah, a monster. Is it like werewolfy? Is it like I don't want to say too much, okay, okay. but the effects are phenomenal and it just looks so good. And again, in the end, it left me wanting more. So I am excited about these two directors. Uh-huh. Um, and they have a movie coming out next month or the month after called The Endless, which is about like two guys who escaped a cult. And that's really, oh, what, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. said, that's yeah. what's kind of led me down this whole wormhole okay. of all their past films. Um, so prepared. I'm very excited. Exactly. I'm very excited for that. But mm-hmm. like Resolution, I'm just kind of left wanting a little bit more. There's some exciting elements. Okay. Um, but this one I think is more worth checking out. And some people love it. That's like the biggest uh, really tease liked in the world to me. Yeah. Good creature effects. Good creature effects and like just this weird kind of romance. Um, the ending ultimately isn't satisfying, but worth watching and just very impressive effects. Like, hmm. yeah. Like Shape of Water? Yeah. 
Better than Shape of Water. Spring is better than Shape of Water, my Holy opinion. Shit. <laughs> Deal with it. Deal with it. Should have given the Oscar to Spring. <laughs> Should have given the 2017 one to Spring. And that's our Scare and Tell segment. The end. I like how you're just describing the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're going to walk you through it. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. We need to recount this, yeah. how we do the podcast. Yeah, this is as much for us as it is for you listeners. Uh-huh. Maybe considerably more so. All right. Well, that being said, there's a point where I say... Let's put this movie on. And this is the point where I usually say, nah. And that's the point where I chuckle <laughs> and then say cheers. <laughs> and then I say cheers and then the, it goes, <laughs> and then it's a chainsaw noise. Yeah. And then our voices slowly fade out. Long live the new flesh. Yeah. Long live it. Mic drop. Long live the new flesh. Oh, shit. <clears throat> we did it. Yeah, we watched video drum. Mm-hmm. That was weird, so weird, so strange, <laughs> and pretty much fits like how I felt about it the first time. But I enjoyed it a little bit more. Yeah, n- like being aware of the beats and the rhythm of the movies, mm. uh, rhythm of the movie, because it does slow down that last forty-five minutes. It, I don't. It's weird. It's like there's less like uh, weird introduction stuff. I guess like there's more just like stuff happening and mm-hmm. very. I don't know. A lot of time between like. Um, weird visions and hallucinations and stuff i found it was kind of like slow at the beginning and then i was getting really into it Mm -hmm. and then he goes just full-on like terminator that's it the last like the last half hour 45 minutes is just him going around killing a bunch of people yeah with uh like the effect of the gun going into his hand the Mm -hmm. first time was awesome to watch yeah but then like he was like those cords sticking out of the fingers fingers. into the flesh. Yeah. Pandora me style. That'll always be the reference for us. Exactly. Yeah, dude. Just that gross, like, um, textured cording looking stuff. And then I love the look of it later. It kind of reminds me of the fly. Just like the gory, bumpy. Yeah. He's just fused with the gun. The technology of the gun and his flesh are one. Yeah. And that's clearly like, they just made it a more convenient glove. He could put on rather than (laughs) the really intense. Yeah. More affordable. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You introduce an effect in a really cool way, and mm-hmm. then the end of it should be a very like versatile little prosthetic you can just throw on. And there's so many incredible like weird uh, set pieces throughout that you can just fully enjoy and appreciate mm-hmm. about this film, regardless of those slow moments. Like, yeah, I love the him killing. This is a guy's name. No, Max is the protagonist, but Max is the protagonist. The one boss guy who's doing the trade show at the end, and his oh yeah, the tumor is just exploding out of his body. Well, that's the craziest thing in the movie, without mm-hmm. a doubt. That was just the most nutso effect that came out of nowhere. That blew my mind. His like tissues went all like popcorn and just like expanded, and his mouth was opening and closing, and his and head cracked. The camera open. didn't cut away. Like no. you, you'd expect, like oh, now we leave the scene, but it's yeah. just we just got to watch it and yeah. just watch the thing keep exploding out. His skull split down the middle, split, and it's just his jaw flapping up and down, and, and then just like the dark, the dark comedy of having his mic still hot right yeah. beside his body, and then as James Woods is leaving, you yeah. hear him like gurgling <laughs> and dying over the speakers yeah. in the lobby. Just, Amazing, yeah, just still just blossoming gross tissues out of his mm-hmm. just destroyed body that was that was insane i don't know why that happened to only him but it was pretty sweet yeah that was uh and the stomach stuff is fun i love the stomach great. opening up and just like a vhs cassettes going in there that's great yeah it, it got to a good place for me on that because like i don't love when there's like a hallucination hallucination element to these mm-hmm. types of things where when you see something crazy it didn't actually happen so we got that like proof right at the beginning of the movie where he like slaps the shit out of uh, 
like is, is that his receptionist who helps him out or something a receptionist at the studio at yeah, the studio, yeah. yeah. she just shows up and for no reason at all he just slaps the shit out of her and then punches her well because first he sees um what's her face from blonde first yeah. he sees her yeah, yeah and he slaps her twice and then it just becomes the other it turns into her yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but then it that never happened right so that was a uh, like a pure hallucination in the mm-hmm. purest form. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this, theoretically, I thought that about the stomach thing when he put his gun in there, like, I'm mm-hmm. like, did any of this actually happen? Yeah. You so know? there's a weird line between hallucination and reality with a lot of it. Yeah. But I, I truly like kind of the message throughout the whole thing that just that technology is fundamentally changing mm-hmm. our desires, our perceptions, how we interact with the world around us. That's something that mm-hmm. makes this movie very enjoyable to watch because it's yeah. so, it's so prescient like this is 1983 mm-hmm. and he's already anticipating and exploring the ways that technology is just going to fundamentally change our nature this yeah. is before social media they're talking about things like an avatar a profile right yeah. with the prof being like oh yeah. i'm brian oblivion exactly yeah like, in the future we'll all have new names like this is foreseen yeah. things like social media yeah and stimulus will be just like you mm-hmm. know oversaturated yeah there'll just be too much of it and that's going to cause people to act out like in the yeah. most general terms, our our desires are going to be so thwarted and yeah. and just evolved beyond what we can possibly imagine them to be because mm-hmm. of technology. Yeah, yeah, and and also then how that like uh, that translates into like our physiology changing too. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the step that's taken in that logic is that our physiology is altered or can be altered. Absolutely, yeah. Through this stuff, yeah, this and that's what they really is. hammer home with all these. Um, not the hallucinations, but the things that actually are real. Like when he's interact, like he does have hallucinations, but a lot of the getting sucked in the TV, like I feel in the world of this movie, this is physically happening. Like the world is fundamentally changing due to technology. Yeah. And I I guess we got a little bit of a, um, an explanation on that from the, the oblivion, (laughs) Brian oblivion, (laughs) professor oblivion. That's so great. Oh, come oblivion. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. Um, and that was his daughter's name too. She was like oblivion too. Yeah. 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 It's like this is my my screen name basically. So but she's, also she's we just sh- inherit yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they they do have a real last name but yeah. she also inherits the fake Oblivion. last name. Yeah. Um yeah, but he basically gave us some pretty big jumps in logic, but he's like you know, basically, you know, the way what we perceive mm-hmm. perception is reality and we're perceiving TV all the time, so therefore what you see if you see it enough is reality and through whatever this like technology, radio wave, video magic whatever it is, mm-hmm. Um, they're able to more actualize that concept and things become, I guess, over the movie, they become change from hallucinations to reality as the physiology of his his brain changes. Develops even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And some, for some people, it's fatal. Like they just right. manifest in the shape of a tumor and can kill them. Yeah. They can't it, adapt to the new technology. That's, that's it. There's a ton of people who are like yeah. just suffering. They can't adapt. Yeah. Whereas James Wood, it seems, gets further than most. Mm-hmm. He's able to adapt in a certain way that he can destroy nefarious forces that are associated with it, but then ultimately ends up it ends up destroying him regardless. Like so he is more yeah. he can go beyond um Professor Oblivion in terms mm-hmm. of handling himself with the technology, but he still has his own threshold. So I take yeah. this as like a great comment on technology that yeah, okay, younger generations may come along and may adapt better to yeah, okay. how technology how we survive in this kind of technology. But ultimately it's gonna accelerate to a point that no yeah. human can really handle themselves with that, you know. Yeah, it seems like there there's like a middle ground wherein you gain some sort of advantage, like mm-hmm. like a mutation, but it's on the process it's in the process of killing you yeah just in that moment he he was getting weapons or these abilities from them so it seems like it has this practical use but he's not really better than anyone he's he's afflicted with this thing that will eventually kill him yeah it's i'm really trying to like 
grasp the philosophy or the perspective of technology that this movie has because it seems to be have a very negative view of technology that technology is inherently ultimately bad because Mm -hmm. you have you do have the like i like the whole start with marcia when he's there near the beginning saying oh these people have a philosophy like you can't you can't um be too careful around this whole video drum thing because those who are in charge of it are using it for um bad purposes and i took i took that to be just the owners of technology, like yeah. your Mark Zuckerbergs and those people exactly. who are taking yes. this technology and using it for like a, a ill purpose or for the purpose of power or something. Yeah. Well, so what was that purpose there? What were they trying to use Videodrome to do? Is it to like advance people or is it to like create like zombies who are addicted to it? Like they predict that it's going to be successful. Like it's yeah. all under the un, under the umbrella of like something that's coming or something that they've just discovered or are just working on to release to the public. Yeah. No. Or for I, what purpose? I no. I totally agree. I think it's. They see technology as something that's coming, but something that they can use to get more people to watch. Like if you recall, they're always trying to get channel 83 to eventually broadcast video drums. So more people mm-hmm. will watch channel 83. Like it seems to be capitalist intentions of how to use video drum for gain, for financial gain, for financial gain. Yeah. That's what you took from that. That's well, the forces that are kind of evil and behind it and trying to use technology merely to bring more people into the product or something. So that is that kind of what like um, Oblivion and his daughter were like talking about because they were like outspoken against it or trying to help? I think, I think they were outspoken against it. I think and, they represent like critical thought. They represent people that are like technology is out there and it has this potential to be evil and we need to be careful against well, it. It can destroy us. Well, no, because like there's also like the, um, the opposite point that they're kind of making too because they're bringing like, am I right that the place that she's at, they're bringing in homeless people off the streets and letting them watch tv because she makes mm-hmm. a point about how like sort of they still need to be connected or have some sort of lifeline which i love i that think that great. is amazing the idea of a homeless shelter where you're giving people small doses of television yeah the idea at the end where you see a homeless person begging for change for his battery so he can watch more television mm-hmm. this is like it's not being shy about the realities of technology and how we're increasingly more dependent on it to the yeah. point where it's showing oh yeah those those who are most excluded are excluded from technology as well in the world of this movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That so I see very them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I do see the the professor and his daughter as trying to be like the more human voice against technology to try to kind of warn against it. Whereas um, his buddy Harold at the studio, who was a plant for Videodrome and all them are trying to use, trying to gain from technology for their own individual purposes, okay. which is why that whole third act for the movie for me. And I got this a lot more this time on the, the second watch was, him coming back and killing all the people who were using technology for nefarious purposes. Yeah. He's going through and is, I need to kill all these people because they are using video drone for the wrong end. But at first he's doing that because he's like basically indoctrinated by the video they put into him, into his belly. And that is like the orders to go out and kill the oblivion's daughter. Right. But then he is convinced otherwise or gets shot or whatever. Yeah. Well he, cause, and this feeds into that whole idea of them, the daughter and Brian Oblivion <laughs> being more like critically reflective about technology because when he goes there, he goes there to kill her, mm-hmm. but then eventually kind of sees the TV for what it is and like acknowledges yeah. that, oh no, she, this isn't the bad person. The bad person is those people who sent me to kill her in the first place. Yeah. And then just does exactly mm-hmm. to kills the, the his bosses at the station uh-huh. who like clearly want to tap into this video drum thing for more ratings first by um, turning the one guy's arm in his stomach hole into like what looked like a fleshy stick grenade oh yeah wonderful exploded him that so was, is that what you because i was trying to grasp what that object was that became his fist it looked like the end of his fist was like the end of like what looked to me like only because it exploded but like a german stick grenade okay 
Um, yeah, so like his wrist had been changed into the handle. Yeah. And the end of his hand or that little bulbous fleshy thing was explosive and it went off. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it, it, that's just a fun moment of him like thinking that he still has um, Max under his control and is like just feeding him more yeah. of the same video drum bullshit. The fleshiest yeah. di- or cassette so far. And James Wood is instead now using the technology against him, his yeah. biotechnology. Yeah. He just switches his hand around like. Yeah, that's a strange thing to be able to do because you watched TV. <laughs> that's a very, very strange thing, and it like makes me want to know about like the people who are trying to propagate this as a way to make money. Mm-hmm. Like that seems like such a strange delivery method. Like, or, or is this going to do something to people in general? Yeah, like, is it the salaciousness of the the video itself, or is it the effects that the or, or this program, or is it the effects of this program that it's going to have on the people? That's their goal. Is it just because it's like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like, I think money is just one way that you can interpret it. I feel like okay. it's more abstract than that. Like just okay. anything kind of nefarious. Like they're Bad. clearly trying to control more people, and they realize the the potential of Videodrome to control and bring people um, towards itself, yeah. just to allow it to grow. Like even Harold isn't watching the tapes, so they're yeah. controlling it. They're trying mm-hmm. to get more people to watch it, okay. but they themselves are like abstaining from it. Because Mark they... Zuckerberg says, "I don't let my kids go on. I'm not going to let my kids go on Facebook." That's <laughs> wow, dude. Really good parallel. Okay. Huh. That's how. That's just my takeaway from the yeah. second beer because I think there is, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I see the the connection's great and it's awesome. I, it's just the concept of what this thing is or does is the hardest part for me to get mm-hmm. because like um, Max was all over the board. Like who was loyal to? Like when he was violent. He was you know mm-hmm. against violence. He was like you know piece of shit at the beginning. Like scumbag. He is, uh, yeah, he, and it, like, it doesn't help that James Woods is such a piece of shit in real life. Yeah, that made it very easy to <laughs> to follow his character right at the top. But like, <clears throat> I don't understand. Like, he's he's a strange case, right? Like, it affected him differently than it does most. Absolutely, they ended up using that to their advantage. But like, what is it going to do to the rest of the people? Like, I don't totally understand what happens to people mm-hmm. in general with it. It seems like what the um what he was saying is that most people can't handle it, right? Most people either die or become like uh, no longer self-sufficient they can't keep themselves alive or whatever Mm -hmm. like why would they want to do that to a huge audience like that's that's the part i don't get like the powers that this thing seems to have Mm -hmm. like it's such a such a strange way to use it like i don't totally understand yeah because it's not it's not it's not specified but to me it's like it's just uh intoxication with this power and wanting to be in control of this power like it's abstract as that so we said money near the top and I think that's just the easiest kind yeah, of way okay. to boil it down. Owners of a TV station Influence, trying to get viewers. Yeah. Yeah. Money control power. Yeah. But sure. then the just it, game. I really think is just technology in the abstract. Like, okay. All right. Actual video thing. And yeah, the whole c- combining sexuality into it is such a great thing too, just to show how like as technology yeah. increases, just this availability of our senses being overstimulated just yeah. constantly increases. Yeah, That's to, very well delivered to show sexuality is just an easy thing for people to understand, like immense ten- temptation to mm-hmm. like, you know, beyond your, your general decision-making, like where things break down in your, your critical decision-making part of your brain is mm-hmm. when you get to like, yeah, uh, something like sexual temptation fully. And even yeah. just that our sexual desires just yeah. are just go on overdrive at that point. Mm-hmm. Simple. We need to like go into S and M and stuff to get those desires sure. satisfied just because basic sexual needs are so easily met in the right. high technology yeah but it's or they're a, just so like evolved or disfigured you know yeah i guess uh, it's man it's weird the way that like 
he he's constantly like siren songed in to like the TV stuff. Like that's all his hallucinations are like that. Yeah. There's some like woman on the TV. Because technology is intoxicating. Yeah. You, know, you see the latest gadget or device and you're like, what is you're drawn to it. You want you want it to be you want to be one with it. Yeah. So it's it's such an incredible metaphor that he's tapping into that like mm-hmm. physically we're changing because of technology. You yeah. know? That like this idea of like I love that scene where it goes into he's in that video drum world. And he's having that whole sexual encounter with the television and he's whipping the whipping television the TV, set. Yeah. Like it's and amazing. He, then he wakes up and then like her corpse is in his bed, mm-hmm. but then not, but when that was a hallucination. Over. Yeah. That was a hallucination. Um, Cause the, tec- technology fucks you up. It just really alters your perception of the world around mm-hmm. you and how you see those around you and can have hallucinatory effects. Yeah. And she was already dead right before that like whipping hallucination happened that's what we learned from uh did we learn that yeah she said um she was already dead when you saw yeah oh that that second one yeah but what i thought was weird was when he was whipping her it cut back to the tv first it was um nikki and then it cut back i think nikki's her name right the lead singer of blondie her character yeah at first it was nikki but then when it cut back it was marcia at the end who was the older woman it was like, I'm not into, you're too oh, old for me. Okay. It cut back to her at That's the end why. too. Okay. Okay. But I mean, like, this is a movie that bears repeating. So yeah. try to like, I, bear yeah. repeated watching to try to grasp some of these metaphors. I feel like I really would need to. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. It's deep and it's hard to totally conceptualize. It's, it's more exciting now to talk about than it was maybe to watch a lot of those sequences. Because it is, like we've said, yeah. very slow at times. Yeah, you got to bounce this off somebody. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's hard to take it all in and know exactly what they were going for at any given point. I can't believe like movies like this get funded and made. <laughs> like, how do you pitch mm. people with money this kind of movie and say like people will come and see this? I that, promise. That like basically boil. I don't think did they um did they make money on this or did they lose money? I have no idea. I can quickly check if you want to talk about something else for uh, while, like Google. <clears throat> no, sorry, that was <laughs> I like added too much pressure by even saying that. Yeah. Box office video drum. It says it made two million dollars. And it doesn't give me the budget. I can't imagine it made money. <laughs> I can't imagine that was cheaper than $2 million. Probably not. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, that boi- that almost exactly boils down what you just said, boils down my thoughts about existence. Like, mm. just like, who the fuck could have ever pitched this? Yeah. You know, and then also they made the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're very much uh, like partner films in a lot of sense they're exploring mm. the similar kind of ideas yeah, yeah, yeah. right very very similar ideas. to the point where i thought as we were watching this long live the new flesh was a line from existence until we got to the end of this i'm like all oh, right that's this movie my oh because <laughs> <laughs> wow. they're, yeah, very they're very similar films so right? similar yeah. yeah like yeah hand in hand is a, is a good way to describe it one is more about the game the other is just about this like platform that exists mm-hmm. that but they're both dealing with yeah. reality and technology and the symbiotic yeah. relationship those two things have yeah and there's something exciting too about the concept of like uh his character like looking to discover something salacious enough to like put on that network you know like him just kind of going through the underground channels to try to pirate something or find something right like that almost like brings a little nostalgia to me of like the excitement mm. that you get finding something you know, or looking really hard for something that is just not mainstream and very difficult to find and then coming across a little gem that nobody knows about. Totally. Like there's that little like component to like what he was doing and that itself was like uh, incentive, like go deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. You're totally right. That's It's such a like convincing uh, starting point for the protagonist. Yeah. To be like, no, he just wants to get that more obscure shit, the darker shit, because he knows that there's a market out there for it. Yeah. What he, what, how the movie unfolds then is just that this darker market is actually this, 
potentiality of all of society that's going to blow that it's like yeah everyone's headed in this direction we're gonna do that. and he just happens to be on the leading edge of that exactly. so he gets yeah. exposed to the darkest side of it early kind of like a patient zero type situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah wow but that's why that final act is a really pessimistic one that in the end he wasn't even able to um at least get a, enough awareness of the situation to kill the nefarious forces but beyond that it was, that technology was still so powerful and intoxicating that it drove him to that point of murder yeah. not he got past the early brain tumor side but he on a higher level of it it still was enough to destroy him so he ends up destroying the company that's trying to distribute it or at least the higher ups the, the, yeah. yeah those that are like trying to use it for its worst possible ends yeah but then in the end it seems that it's still inherently there and yeah he gets this weird advice that that kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth they like suggest that like you've done a blow for sure you've dealt them a big blow by killing the ceo or whatever mm-hmm. but the company's still there they're still working on it they're not dead they're not destroyed they're yeah. just inconvenienced it's more for complex now. it's everywhere yeah. she says so you need to like take on your final transformation and like so in the end, is he just shooting himself or is that the step before he come he becomes a full on new creature? I think like the full embrace of technology is death. Like if you t- if you fully give yourself over into all the intoxicating aspects of technology, if you live for your online social media presence oh, okay. or just being yeah. online all the time or whatever, you are killing your biological self. You are just becoming fully digital. Yeah. And he is ultimately intoxicated by like in the form of the sexuality of Nikki. That's just that the metaphor that technology is mm. taking on is her and her sexuality. He's intoxicated and seduced by technology to ultimately just destroy his biological self, to totally deny the human aspect of himself. Which, so that would mean that what she was saying was a hallucination-based lie in order to trick him into be destroying himself and being done with it. Mm. And as far as we like the tangible, whether or not this guy is alive or dead doing things in the real world, were to believe that he was lied to and shot himself and is dead. I yeah, I took her words as just metaphorical for um just how seductive and overpowering all of technology can be and that you it does ultimately will command you to deny your body and to deny your own existence. Okay. For your sake of that technology. It's very dark. I think it's a very dark conclusion to end on the movie yeah but just like 1984 it's kind of the logic of the movie itself lends itself well to that ending okay yeah it just that confuses me (laughs) because like the the presentation we were getting at the end was like he is a killing machine going out and doing the bidding for the bad guys gets switched onto the good team Mm -hmm. goes up does that final blow kills these people and then you know that's that's the progression yeah right yeah we basically see this like good guys totally bad guy turns oh back over to the good guys mm-hmm. gets his killing blow on some some villains and then is told you've dealt a blow to the the bad guys mm-hmm. but in order to finish them off you need to fully transform and i think so, that's the lie of technology in the, the like, lie of technology or technology itself is beyond good and evil like okay. it exists beyond those things and is dark in of itself beyond that point okay, okay. Yeah, I like that, and I take that he turns into some w- weird super creature and continues his rampage against. That's such a Dave Stoneborough turn for the end. Yeah. <laughs> if you re- remade Videodrome, that's how you would end it. <laughs> I would just give it five more minutes. Yeah, <laughs> just, his, yeah he, I got three stomach holes now. <laughs> yeah, he would shoot himself in the head and then start pulling stuff out of the hole, rebuild himself as a weird, gross mutant. All his, it's a it's two bazooka arms now instead of a it's just the muzzle of a, a huge muzzle of a gun is coming out of and the that's front where of you him. can bring in godzilla and kaiju <laughs> and just 
Is kaiju the name of like that giant moth or something? Why do I know that word? Kaiju? Yeah. That is a great question. Kaiju. I think, no, because that's Mothra. Um, okay. Kaiju. Because their Jaegers are the bad thing. The Oh, kaiju is just the name for the Japanese film genre that features giant beasts. Okay. That's kaiju. It's just those giant beasts. Big monsters. Okay. Yeah. So it would be, You're it would less, start right? with a Videodrome remake and end uh, as a kaiju film. <laughs> Uh, it would end in space with uh, um, Leprechaun, Jason. <laughs> Leprechaun in the truck from 10 Cloverfield Lane <laughs> floating in space. <laughs> That's so many Easter eggs all at once. <laughs> How fitting for an uh, Easter Monday recording of this episode. Yeah, sitting in the passenger seat would be Jesse from Dark Skies. Oh my On God. On the radio to Sam at the end. Sam! That's the end Wait, of Dark hold Skies. up. You've gone beyond me now. At okay, Dark Skies reference. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to bring it back somehow. Uh I haven't talked about Dark Skies in a long time. It has been a while. I've brought it up twice today. Yeah? Yeah. I on the episode? It. Not on the episode. Once when we were just... Just here. watching a movie. Yeah. I've brought up Dark Skies twice. <laughs> okay. I gotta let it go. All <laughs> right, man. Yeah. So I did... And even now, when we finished the movie less than after we've talked about the movie. So there's it's definitely a discussion film. Oh, 100%. Else. But I do... I did like it more the second watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked it. I, I like... I'm realizing now that I like movies that just like have no obvious progression and they just, the next scene you're in this weird room and Mm -hmm. you got a weird hole in your belly. Why did they go hole in the belly? Eventually you learned that it was to represent like VHS cassettes going into the VHS player, the VHS player or whatever it is, just a cassette going into a, Uh a I felt like there were, there were beta tapes and VHS tapes throughout the film. I think so. And uh, yeah, so at first, like I didn't know that that's what that was and James Woods for some reason sticks a gun in his belly Mm -hmm. that was weird and those things if it happens a a dozen times in a movie yeah you know well paced out it's just I don't know it's such a you're glued to the screen even though maybe you get frustrated maybe you're a little bored for a minute you're just like what in the fuck happens next let's figure it out especially if there's if you can at least piece together something close to resembling like a coherent narrative yeah. idea like antichrist same thing sure like, yeah, sure yeah. that's such a talking movie and there's a lot of weird images and shit that happens but you can piece together as long as you can there's yeah. enough pieces to make somewhat of a sensible story that they're trying to tell then it's yeah. enjoyable if it's just random i'm trying to think of an example but if it's just random random images images and scenes that never add up then it's just ultimately unsatisfying like <laughs> there's got to be something that we watch that was like that I was going to say extra <laughs> extra, but, th- but then like we enjoyed that not for its coherence, but for, for its, its insanity, it's insanity and its effects and stuff. Yeah. But that kind of falls in like it, it, it's a bit of a different example, but yeah, yeah. something that's just fucking insane. It can work. Like, so if extra had terrible effects, <laughs> then it would be probably a good example in that case. Yeah. Yeah. It would really suffer if it didn't have great effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be a huge problem. Maybe we should on that note, go to some Twitter comments, Twitter comments. comments. Okay, so um, on our Twitter post about uh, Extro, we got a response from uh, a fan here. Uh, I think a new fan. Um, Dennis Extro Atherton. Um, that's his Twitter handle? That's, a, that's his uh, name. His Twitter handle is um, Dens Beans. <laughs> it's Dens Beans with Zeds. Um, but he's also, um, is I guess, referred to in some, some circles as the Extro guy. Okay. Yeah. So we got we got a heavy hitter here on Twitter, uh, giving us a comment on our um, our extra episode. Um, I enjoyed your thoughts and felt the film won you over in the end. It certainly gave you lots to talk about. Two and three don't carry on with the same enjoyment factor. You have been warned. Three is the best of the sequels. P.S. The Panther toy is on the kid's dresser next to the clown toy. That's so good to know. Thank you, 
extra because we were just befuddled by yeah. the existence of the panther yes and uh, forgive us we haven't seen it in you know the quadruple digits yet mm-hmm. um so on our first viewing it was hard to piece together what in the damn hell we were looking at absolutely it's very helpful about the panther toy and it, it won us over in a way you know like there's a lot to talk about a lot of things are hilarious oh, or yeah. great effects oh yeah i do not regret watching that one bit i'm no. i'm thrilled we did and i just want to watch more we i mean that mm. movie came out essentially the same year as video drum <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> the early 80s is just a treasure trove of just all over the place special effects the thing also came out this mm-hmm. year american werewolf in london like, like yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just a it was just a golden age of practical effects in genre films i agreed and so even a movie as insane as extra with its notable failing moments mm-hmm. Like as much as it's not just that it was silly, it was bad in moments. So I would like to but make it's that very clear. A thousand percent worth watching. A hundred percent. Yeah, a thousand is a bigger number. I should stuck with that. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Good. I would I listen, recommend it at this. Yeah, point. I, you just you have to if you have to go watch the movie and listen to our episode because we had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, and a quick way to like just get a taste if you have no idea what extra is or what it's like. It's like a combination between Dark Skies and Pumpkinhead. Perfectly put. Uh-huh. Perfectly put. <laughs> Genius description. Uh, and that guy is also in an upcoming DVD release of Extra. Is that correct? Um, that's, that's a good question. I'm not. I think he's done. Um, uh, he was in some component of like a behind the scenes, behind the scenes, cool. or or something like that, or a documentary about it. He appears in some kind of video like that. Great, because I think he he might be the person who's seen Extra most on planet Earth. <laughs> I, I'd love to know Den's means. How many times have you seen Extra? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's find that out if you listen to this episode uh dennis extra atherton please let us know great it's also in the mail he's got um i've been talking and thinking about it for over 30 years so much so that i have now met all the actors the producer made a documentary sat and had tea with the lady in the cottage he unironically loves it this is a super fan yeah this is a real super fan so much so that he found our podcast and listened to the episode <laughs> right when it was released yeah one of the few searching extra i love that i love that oh. kind of dedication to fandom for especially for something as bonkers as extra that's that's truly special talking about extra for over 30 years yeah did I send you in Europe they have a european release of extra that has somehow five discs of content <laughs> and comes with like a little model toy I've seen the toy. Yeah, I that come, that's part of the set, like a five disc set. So seeing the toy is actually like somewhat helpful in the extra discussion because the toy is like, it's like just a perfect human body, but like weirdly backwards and twisted around. Yeah, like it's human hands and feet. And it's like the torso. thing that got kicked, that got hit by the car. Yeah, to get in. So it's like off off screen. I thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was like a full on like alien creature. That's what they looked like, and then they take over humans or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, it was mostly human, just like the most demented form. Right. Oh, that was like its best take with the father's DNA, but it grew out of the earth. But I wonder too, then, and maybe the sequels, God bless them, explain <laughs> a little bit more about this. Three's but the best. I learned that from the extra guy. Maybe because alien, the aliens are fused with humans that give an egg birth to the human. That is just the shape that ex- that the aliens take when delivering the human egg. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So I, those aren't actually what the aliens look like. That's that an is egg just, deliverer. That is a human egg deliverer. So it takes on some of the contours of a human, mm. maybe. Yeah, I think it needed to go through at least one process to yeah. get more. Like it, it human DNA, it grew out of the earth, Hellraiser style, and it was extra form, which right. is weird, twisted <laughs> up human toy, right? And then it... It also had a stomach hole, similar to the movie that we watched today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes the the human version of the dad after right, it gets right, birthed right. out of a 
Because you only look like a human if you're birthed. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. Thanks for those comments and reaching out, extra guy. Love that. Thank you so much. It's just so fun to say extra, too, for some yeah. reason. Extra, yeah. The explosion of the TV is kind of fun, too, but it's just too intestinal. It's like all yeah. it was was like large intestines. Yeah, it, and it like it kind of was supposed to be like, here's the gun to your head. I was showing you the video of you killing yourself, shooting yourself in the head. Yeah. And instead of like brain viscera... <laughs> It seemed like it kind of was blowing out of the head represented yeah. by the TV. I would have liked more, intestines. Totally. Yeah. I would have liked more brain chunks, skull fragments yes. yeah. with the intestines. Like I want a full human body <laughs> just split into a million pieces. Just, yeah. Yeah. Should have been gooier, more viscera. The totally. tubes are just easier. Totally. And I know the Ontario film board was brutal in the like 70s and 80s in terms of they would, you would hand them a final, your final film product mm-hmm. and they wouldn't talk back and forth with you like the MPAA in the States, but they would just cut your film and hand it back to you and say here you go this is its rating so i'm wondering that i mean this was the criterion collection so i bet if anything was a full unedited one it is this if it's been restored but i wonder about that relationship with getting this movie released and what was cut and if more things were cut or i wonder yeah i'm sure it was i'm sure it was definitely like a watered down version of what we saw but totally i mean this is why like doing this podcast it just makes me want to have the blu-rays of these films to just binge extra features after like what you said earlier about like um the being in the um the theater at the was it the royal yeah um that, An amazing uh, screening of Poltergeist 3 that happened last week that we both missed. Yeah, like so, so the director? Gary Sherman was there and he had the remote and he was pausing the movie throughout the whole movie and just describing scenes as they were... Like, I mean, that's a dream way to watch a movie. That's a beautiful dream. If we had those Blu-rays you're talking about of just that's all these another things... another way to do it. Yeah. We can just watch some commentary. I know. Commentary is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, get director commentary on some shit you love. I wonder how many times extra guys seen like extra commentary. And how many extra commentaries and how many commentary tracks he's released himself. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably knows more than like any individual cast member. But yeah, we, we've talked about it before, but we would love to like get into commentary or behind the scenes on the gate, on demons, mm-hmm. ones like that. Especially the practical effects ones, because we want to know what goes into the magic. Yeah, we should throw those pictures up on like Let's Facebook and Twitter and yeah, just so other people great. can see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. One other thing I just wanted to comment about in this one, uh, main character Max, mm-hmm. dude was an absolute expert at shooting people in an incredibly public place and just walking on out of there. Oh, he did it multiple times, right? Yeah, yeah, two he, or three. He, yeah, he shot up some people in his office, like mm-hmm. um, his like the board of directors or whatever in his own company. Mm-hmm. He shot them and then just walked out pretending to be hurt. Yeah, like hilariously, and then he turned the other dude's hand into a grenade and blew out the wall and just walked through the hole in the wall. Yeah, in that case, the murder was part of the exit strategy. Yeah, it's like if I make him dynamite, then that'll be my exit out the back. Walks into like a huge event, like a huge, huge conference co- conference event where there's like dancers on stage and stuff, and goes up with a monster gun and just shoots this guy who then turns into human tissue popcorn. <laughs> just. And then walks out. No problem. At that point, it's just casual for him. He's just like strolling out. No big deal. I was like, it was making me think of like Slippery Sutherland back in Body Snatchers, how he could like get in and get out of any place. Right. He has got nothing on Max who does so while also blasting people. Is James Wood himself Canadian? I don't think so, huh? No. Okay. I don't think so. I was going to say maybe that's a Canadian actor thing. (laughs) Canadian actors just (laughs) real slippery. Don't get caught. Nope. No one interferes. Scene of the crime. untraced excuse me sir i'm in the way of your fleeing <laughs> but just know that the per like everyone else is panicking so if you, if something happened just look for the guy that's walking away casually yeah he did it <laughs> it's him just pushing past people excuse me i'm trying to leave <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode 
of the Tex Chris Davesaw Massacre. Uh, my name is David Sombra, I'm pretty sure. My name is Chris Vandenberg, I'm totally sure. <laughs> and uh, as always, Chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Facebook is the new flesh, chaos reigns. See you, scaredy cats, on another different time next week. Check those privacy settings. Bye.